Welcome to the Operate Podcast, where we give you a behind-the-scenes look at company building from the perspective of the builders themselves. This is how we operate. Hi, everybody. This is Carrie, and I've got Jeremy Redman with me today, and we yeah. are doing a bit of a crossover podcast swap, dual interview. Let's have oh. some fun. And so I love uh, this. Yes, why not? So we, uh, Jeremy and I have known each other for uh, well over a year now, and he has a great startup that he is building up in Los Angeles. And he came down and visited, I think it's been about a year, right after we uh, opened Pre-COVID. Uh, Operate Studio. Yes. And uh, so we're going to do use this as a time to catch up on all that he's been up to over the last year. And uh, he also has a really great podcast himself. Uh, and so we're, we're going to just, you know, chat a bit. Chat. I love, can you hear me okay? Is everything good? Okay. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, first off, I love you, Carrie. This is, I'm a big, big fan of the show. What is it? Big fan, long time listener, first time caller. There you go. There you like, go. I love it. First it's time, uh, first time probably, podcaster with you. How many, remind, how many episodes do you have of yours? 40. Okay. I want to say like, I haven't released one in the longest time and I hate myself for it. But you're building a like company a, and you're growing. So we're going to talk about that. It happens. It happens. So I, uh, I'm closing in on a hundred episodes. Wow. Uh, Congratulations, man. That's truly magnificent. Yet, but it's been, uh, it's been a ton of fun. <laughs> well, I think like, uh, the consistency is king. Yeah. Right. So like it, it is the kingmaker. And you've been incredibly consistent, like, especially on LinkedIn. I see that you've got the, like, we recording, is this video being recorded right now too? We are recording video, but I, I, you know, we'll, we'll see whether we distribute it or not. We'll just, we can always. Oh, come on. This has got to be distributed. Okay. This is, this is going to be the most downloaded episode of all time. There you go. If my, if my email list has anything to say about it. There you go. (laughs) So what has kept you, I'm, I'm interested. What has kept you, I think when we first met, you didn't have this, right? Or you were just starting this. The pod? Yeah. Oh, I started about, uh, I don't know, five, six months before we opened the studio. Got you. Yeah. And you opened my eyes to what an opportunity zone was. Hmm. I had no idea any of this stuff. And I remember the first time that we actually sat down in the studio that you call what is it now? What is it? I, it, I remember just OC4. Yeah, we've changed our name. We're now Operate. Yes. And, okay. you know, really it was to explain to the world who we are. We're operators. And we, we're, we're based in Orange County, but we work with companies, uh, you know, at this point we're working with companies all over California. Uh, okay, we, okay, we've okay. even started to look at companies outside of California um, as our presence has and, and interest has grown from uh, other places but we we rooted here we had got a really strong sort of operator first mindset about how to build companies we also invest but we're operators first which is why we changed the name because people kept fixating on OC and said no yeah, we, yeah, 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 yeah. we're here but let's be you know clear about who we are and I think that's that's been really resonant uh, people have I've really gotten yeah. that in the last couple months. I think the one thing I remember 
because I remember where we sat and we sat on like a really cool couch and a really cool neck or a nook of the, of the studio. Sure. And the, there was the logo OC4. And then I saw the logo change on LinkedIn. I'm a big, fo- big follower of yours on LinkedIn. <laughs> I keep bringing this up. But, uh, and it was like, it said operate. And I was like, what is, what is, the, what happened? He, he's got rid of that old office or something. That's we're what I thought because I wasn't yeah, following the name change. Still here. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was identity. We, we, we quickly, when we, when we named the studio initially really quick, kind of the working title, like a lot of startups, really. I mean, this was our startup. Yeah. yeah. Um, I yeah. have been in a number of startups where we've name changed pretty early on. And so I was, I was comfortable with it. Um, did you lose, like, do you feel like you lose any cash, like any cachet by switching a brand like halfway through? Not that it was halfway through. No, I mean, I, I think you do an evaluation of, I've had a couple people say, hey, I really like that OC4 name, um, but I've had mm-hmm. 10X more say, this name makes way more sense. Yeah. So that gives me okay. validation, but that's, that's the same kind of um, discussion I have with a lot of founders where I'll say, ah, name seems okay for right now. Not, not in the priority list of all the <laughs> things that I feel like, we need to address, but yeah. at some point it may make sense to change it. And sometimes yeah, I think- it's a realization of, you know, if you start really narrow, you're focused on a narrow problem and then you start having success to realize, Hey, I can solve more problems for this same customer and expand the scope and expand the vision. Yeah. It may naturally make sense to change the name. Absolutely. And I want to go back to the podcast for a second. <clears throat> I'm, I've taken, I, I feel like I've taken over your show, but yeah, it's a it's, mixture. It's, it's a bad, yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah, I got plenty <laughs> of questions for you, man. <laughs> well, one thing I absolutely love, which is at least for my listeners, they need to take note in the fact that you, I didn't even think this was going to ha- like this interview was going to happen like this fast, that quick. And the fact that you just have your Apple earbuds in and you're just like, let's record. That is the shit people need to do more often is stop overthinking Mm. the production value of the content that they put out there. Mm. So like the only reason I have this microphone is because it swings from my desk. I love that. Right. Like I have one in the other room we built out, of course, you know, you, you, you have to, I totally agree with it. Like we're, I'm a, um, biased action for sure. As you can imagine. Uh, we built a studio here in the studio. So we've got the meta studio in the studio, right as, <laughs> right as COVID was hitting. We've had, I think, two guests in. Okay. Uh, and so most of it's been virtual. And so I've gotten super comfortable with, uh, you know, how to do it. Now, normally, you know, let, to let you in on a secret, normally I okay. do send out ahead of time to my guests Mm-hmm. a little bit of an outline of like, ah, here's, here's sort of a rough idea of what I think we should probably talk about, but I knew you could just roll with it. And so, Oh man. Um, you know, I, I've done this on the fly. With a few people, a few people that I trust are going to Got be, you. uh, you know, very capable and somebody who is a podcast host like you is absolutely capable to just go. with it. That might be true. Like I, I, I think it, it, it is kind of an exercise, right? Where you're, you, you're not comfortable behind a microphone or like even I remember when I didn't have my headset on, mm-hmm. like putting on a headset for the first time and listening to yourself, that even kind of throws you off. And all of a sudden you start to overthink making anything. 
before you put it out there. To tie that back up into operate, when you when you actually get a chance to help other operators build their companies, how much of it is just like, shut your fucking brain off, Tim, right? Like stop overthinking this problem and start executing. How often do you run into that problem when you help people operate? Oh, it's, it's a lot. And I think in many cases, those are the things that upfront we try to diagnose to decide, can we work with this person? Because, yeah, okay. I mean, you know, I, and I, I have a lot of conversations where people are ready. They're ready to go through their pitch deck. And okay. I don't want to go through their pitch deck because my, <laughs> my attitude is your pitch deck is you on your best day. It's yeah. you pretending like you've got it all figured out. And if you think about in most cases, we're getting involved early, really early. Okay. And I know they don't have it all figured out. I don't have yeah. it all figured out. And so I try to give them permission to say, look, I know you don't have it all figured out. What I want to understand is what's your approach for how you're going to go try to go figure it out. Mm, how are you going to try to figure it out? And how are we going to potentially do this together? And if we feel like in doing it together, we're going to have a great time. We're going to have a much higher likelihood of, of success. And we, we think this is a really important thing to help you go figure out. Yeah. then we'll probably get involved. But if it's, you know, stubbornness about, no, I already have it all figured out. That's usually a, a red flag that we're going to probably. Well, what's funny, Carrie, is and, I've and gotten. The other is the overthinking where it's. Well, just, yeah, I, f I feel like I've gotten in some hot water sometimes where I admit I don't have this figured out. Mm -hmm. And like they, there's not like a meeting of the minds when you're the entrepreneur talking to a would-be investor. And you go, uh, I don't know. I, we were talking right before this. I don't know where I'm going to put all this money, mm -hmm. right? But like, here's where we've put the money we've had so far. And this is what it's worked on. And it's like, I, I, I'm not a fan of like, uh, well, what good do you think financial projections do? Like what, what, and at what stage do they become even more paramount to your success? Financial protections? Projections. projections. Did I say protections? Oh, I, I'm not sure, but I-, I That's what you heard. Projections. That's right. <laughs> so I, I mean, at the stage where I get involved, I barely consider them. Because again, okay, I know, yeah. I, I want to understand again, how are you thinking about the likely value levers in this business? Mm -hmm. are, there, are there other examples out there, whether it's business models or uh, approaches to how you're going to go reach customers, things that you can at least correlate is again, showing me that you know how to learn how to synthesize other information that I care about. Uh, and I want to know that there's some sensibility to it. If you're telling me I can get a customer for a dollar and everybody else in the marketplace is getting a customer for a thousand dollars, I'm going to be a little skeptical. Sure. Do you, do you know yep. what you're talking about? So yeah. there's some amount of, of credibility baked into financial projections. Um, yeah. I, I tend to coach people do a top down looking at sort of total market down and do a bottom up. And that gives you some sense of boundaries. But as far okay. as the accuracy of them, I know they're off. My hope is that they're off <laughs> wildly because you're conservative, not because yeah, yeah, yeah. you're way right. overly confident, right? I think more often than not, it's the overconfidence. And so- What's yeah, so so they become more important as more of the money 
has a direct financial input output, right? So if you, if you know, and, and you can go to an investor and say, look, you give me a dollar and I'll give the business back 10, they're going to say, mm -hmm. how many dollars can I give you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what's funny is I think, uh, well, as you know, we, we saw each other again during uh, Jason's launch accelerator. Mm -hmm. And how, how much, I, I had this thesis all the way through. And that thesis was no one invests in a fucking pitch deck, right? Like I get it. It's pitching people. It's get, but like there, there are things from the outset that people don't invest in. Number one, just doesn't fit a thesis. Mm -hmm. And then you're ranked and everything else. It's like rank and file, right? Mm -hmm. So have you ever, 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 this is for my own case study. Have you ever gotten a pitch deck and made a check based on the pitch deck? And if so, if so, or if not, at what point after that pitch do you end up making a decision and based on what? Hmm. So I don't, I don't just personally, I, I don't think I'm capable of, and partly maybe because I don't have enough money I'm willing to put at risk that I would write a check solely on a pitch. Deck. Um, so I don't think it, it just doesn't exactly. fit who I am, but you got to remember, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not an investor. I don't, I don't sure. hold myself out as an investor. I'm an entrepreneur, an operator. I'm an operator. I'm a company builder who uses money as one of the levers to create successful companies yep. because I know. And so, uh, I, I think as a result, I, I'm so keen on the, on the entrepreneur, on the team, on how we're going to go attack this. How do we go create unfair advantage? Those, those are the things that I, so I typically want to get involved in things because I feel like I can be really additive mm -hmm. and the, the entrepreneur wants us involved because they see it too. How much challenge, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll sort of go, Hey, you know, we, we're pretty self-aware, self-actualized. We, we, yeah. we have limited time. We want to really work with people we love. I, I was just on right before you with one of our founders who I absolutely adore and love and want to do anything I can to help her. And yeah. I, I, I wake up trying to figure out things that I can do to help <laughs> move the company forward. That it's weird, but that's who I am. Yeah. I think that's what you need though. Like when, and when you're coming from like an operator or a practitioner's mindset, I mean, I think that's where you can, how many, how many times can you be thinking about ways to help the different companies? I guess said in another way, like you wake up thinking about all the companies that you're helping operate. I wake right? up so like, every day thinking about the same, I think about different ones. Most it's like, what's, what's on my mind? It's not every day her company. Not every day, but Okay. You know, but what happens because, you know, now the good thing is I've got this portfolio. And so now yeah. when I'm talking to somebody, I don't have one thing on my mind. I've got several things and I can almost connect something to every conversation mm. that I'm having. And that's been the, the uh, really the, the fascinating thing over the last year is that as, as we built a nice base, if I'm talking to, uh, a law firm, I have a whole group of companies that I can potentially look to them to work with. If I'm talking to a strategic, I can usually have something and maybe it's not even one of our companies. Maybe it's somebody that I've talked to that I'm able to connect in. And so I think that that's where yeah. 
it's really helped me be who I am, where I'm a, I'm a, sure. uh, a connector and a puzzle maker and a puzzle maker. That, that's a big part of how I think about it. Like each company is sort of its own unique puzzle that we're trying yeah, to, I, without knowing what all the pieces are, we're trying to piece it together. Yeah, I could, I could, I could definitely see that. I, I think, uh, I think uh, as you, as you think about ideas, right. And you, you bring these ideas and the, this, I would call it like an operating plan to the founder. Mm-hmm. How much pushback do you get and how much pushback are you comfortable with getting before you're like, Hey, no, listen, Mr. Finger, you listen to me. I, uh, I don't have a good answer for that. Mm. And I think we're still, we're still figuring some of that out, but here's what, here's the way I would answer that is we are very clear with the founders that we don't ever have to be right. Mm -hmm. That's not our objective. I don't ever keep score at the end of the day and say, you know, how many times was I right today? That's not, that's not how I think about it. We think about how do we as a group have more rigorous debate, discussion, conflict on the key decisions and the key things we need to go figure out such that we create a higher likelihood. We're going to, we're going to figure it out. So it's a team, a team sport. It's really a team sport. sport. Yeah. I talk a ton about that, about, Company building is a team sport. And if, uh, if the founder always has to make the decision, always has to be right, probably not one will work with. And that's okay. Yeah. I mean, there are plenty of different oh, yeah, ways. Right. There are plenty of different ways to build companies. But yeah. somebody like that is probably not as likely to attract and retain the best people because they're more likely to bring them in to try to control them as opposed to bring them into the team and empower them to do great work and, and contribute. Right. And so, so some of this is early identification of the likely culture this company will turn into as it grows. Yeah. Diagnose, diagnose me. So uh, as I think about, I once said this when I, (laughs) when I worked for, when I was in the corporate grind and I said, uh, I'm a team player, uh, but it's gotta be my team. You know, so like uh, I'm LeBron James on this team here. Mm-hmm. You, you guys have a great, great role, right? And I've, <laughs> but, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting that scoring title. And I've thought about that at the beginning, mm-hmm. right? Like with me and thinking about that's why I get fired from every company I've ever worked for mm-hmm. is that I struggle to work for other people. Like sure. there's a, there's a direct contrast between having like having an authority problem which mm-hmm. i clearly have mm-hmm. and then like a lot of entrepreneurs can't be team players in the uh, the uh, the real sense of like i can just be part of that's why they can't work for other people and they start their own companies because they want the unilateral decision in some kind of way and it's you've got to bridge that gap and i'm trying to think i've come into it now from that early mindset going, man, my God, do I want to like hire the best and just let them go? Yes. You know, like still my team, maybe I'm the coach now. Not, I don't want to be the LeBron James, but do you, do you think about, do you think about this idea that other, these other people now are working for you? Do you, do you like that? 
I like the idea that I don't have to do the job they're doing anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I, when I think it's taking away when my wife, because I work 85 you, hours yeah. a week. Do you want them to defer to you because you're the boss? Meaning what? Just uh, if, if it's your team, do you, if, if there are issues or they disagree, um, if, if you hold their faith, I don't have to be in the middle of every faith, decision, I guess. Mm-hmm. Those, those like, are I don't have to be in like, like I want, I wouldn't hire someone if I, if I had to tell them what to do all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I, I want to, I do also want to make myself obsolete, right? You hear that adage a lot where it's like, make yourself up. Obs- you want to run a business where you don't need to be needed anymore. And it's like, I would love to not be needed for like a little while. Mm-hmm. You know, and part of that is hiring the right people. Mm-hmm. Like you've obviously come across some of those individuals that it's like, you can't work for other people and you want it to be your team. I don't have a problem with like letting go, but like if there's a tie between two employees, like I, I don't mind breaking the tie, sure. right? Like how do you, how do you reconcile that? So I, I mean, I, I'm a little bit of an authority issue for sure. I, I've always had a, a yeah. somewhat of a challenge with authority because I wanted to really be convinced that the authority was <laughs> helpful and mm. not not a relic of a hierarchical structure that just was in place because it was in place. Uh, I wanted that to be in place because it made sense to be in place. And so... Um, early, early, as I started to get put into leadership positions and, um, as I started to have people that were on my team, I tried to make it very clear to them that I didn't view it as them working for me. It were, it really, you know, as much as I possible, it was, Mm. I was trying to make it me working for them or me, you know, minimally that we were actively choosing to work together. And, and that my view, my view was as a leader, they were choosing every day to come in and be a part of this team and that they had the choice to not. Yeah. And yeah. so any sense of that they, you know, were obligated to me, I thought was a, just a weird sort of false sense right now that can run into problems as you, as you work up. Now the, the challenge you can run into in companies at times is some people will if they struggle with authority looking upwards and they have a team that, that they manage or, or lead, they may defer to their team and that becomes their first mm. team. And really gotcha. you're, you're, as a leader, your first team needs to be um, the team of peers or sort of, you know, your, your senior team. So um, that I've seen that happen where, someone gets let go because they're not good with their peers, even though their their team loves them and yeah. they're creating discord across the organization because their team's isolated from the rest of this company and machine. Right. So, so you have to really orient to the senior most team that you're a part of as, as really your first team where you're building your, your trust and uh, your team needs to see that as well. Um, and and that's where I think some people can get into, to challenges, but I I think a lot of, of good entrepreneurs struggle with authority 
and being controlled because usually just to them, it doesn't make sense. That's, that's where I've had challenges <laughs> where I've said, look, if, if you have the better solution, if you have the better answer, I'm all for it. But sure. if I have a better one or somebody on my team has a better one, that this should be democratic in that we should probably <laughs> be striving for the best outcome and the best answers, not yeah. what, just what you decided to do, to do. Now, in the case of we don't have good information or we need to break a tie or make a decision, those just don't happen very often. Let's be real. They're, sure. You know, yeah. Uh, that, that's not that common. Especially. Where you just wake up out of bed with like this idea that it wasn't tied to any metric right. or any reason in the app or anything qualitative even. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I clearly based on how you described it, you were destined to become an entrepreneur. What you probably want to just be cognizant of as you continue to evolve as a leader is how do you move from this is my team to this is our team. And ideally, in my opinion, if your team members have as much ownership over the company in, in their mind as you do, that's a really good thing. Because guess who's going to get the glory regardless? You. You're Me. the CEO. You're the founder. Yep. You're that's the why I do this. equity owner. So I do it only for the glory, yes. Gary. The, yeah. My love language, words of affirmation. Yeah. I need to be told. My wife knows this. I need to be told how amazing I am, how, mm -hmm. how determined, how big a dreamer, mm. right? Like no gifts. Or I, I actually do like gifts. My, my second best love language is, uh, is gifts. So I need to be told how great I am uh, and I need the recognition. That, I mean, knowing that's huge because yeah. then you can either explain that to your team or you can start to say, okay, how do I – expand myself a little bit to maybe not need all those things because yeah. I know I'm going to get the glory. I know that this is my company. I'm going to probably get more motivation and be more inspiring to my team members if they feel the same sense of ownership or close to the same sense of ownership as I do. Do you think you ever get to that point? Like I'm going through that right now where we have certain people on board that are that eat, sleep, and breathe and diet, diet the company. Yeah, your early your early people are your most likely to do so. Yeah, and I think like thereafter, it just kind of becomes it, the react. I love this whole crap about we hire the best. Everyone says this, mm -hmm. and it's like not everybody is, know, is accurate there because you know there aren't that many. Well, right, right. There is a You're not, distribution like, uh, curve out there. Yeah, like Elon is like, our engineers, the engineers that leave us or can't stomach us go to Apple. And you're like, it's it's the same mm -hmm. thing. You cannot possibly have the best. Tesla can't have the best. The best are, they're so good. There's there's a lot of good people and great people, but you can't have, the, everyone can't have the best of engineer or the best operators or the best this. I, I try to get rid of those like superlatives like in the company, like mm -hmm. even I'm not above any task. Sure. So like, I know I say, Oh, glory, glory's great, but I'll take out the fucking trash. Like I, I love the remedial to I'll go, please, please. I would love to make your copies. Mm -hmm. I go grab coffee for everyone else. Like that's what I, I want to do the mindless shit for like, yeah. 
15 minutes. You know who, I mean, Tony Shea, um, you know, just a tragic loss. Yeah, Um, that sucks. uh, But I mean, he, he made a huge impact on a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of leaders about that. Is that he, Mm. so many stories were shared over the last few days about those experiences with him as, you know, at a part at his own party serving hors d'oeuvres or yeah sure people drinks or making you know just that he he was that and you know you can you can be that and that can be part of that that sort of service culture yeah that absolutely and you sort of have to live that way i mean i grew up in retail i i feel like most of what i learned i learned from my father and my grandfather and it was about don't ask people to do anything you wouldn't be willing to do yourself yep um, That's how I live. Lead, lead by example. So I, I totally agree with that. You don't want to do those things to not make a decision that needs to be made or, you know, yeah. you don't, you, you have to sometimes be careful about that from a perceived time management standpoint. But I think that in general, that's a great, a great way to be and, and lead and, and can create a lot of really good culture in an organization. Absolutely. So I think it's super cool. So let's turn I want to hear, you know, more about how things are going with the company. So for my audience, um, you know, let's walk back a year. Tell me, you know, about the company and, and what's happened over the last year. So, uh, just as a little brief background, I had, I came with nothing, trailer trash out of a trailer park, right? Like first generation Michigander, uh, grew up with nothing, single mom. And I learned very often that we were going to have nothing or I was going to like, I was going to have to get it myself. Right. Because if I went to my mom and was like, I want to go to Disney world, that wasn't a possibility. So I was always chasing uh, uh, profit, right? Like I was always trying to sell stuff and I was always trying to have like an entrepreneurial, I'll call it at that point scheme because there was nothing really, I wasn't, you're not building a real business at 11. Mm-hmm. You're not incorporating anything. Mm-hmm. So I was always trying to work up uh, uh, like the courage to go out in the neighborhood and sell myself, essentially mm-hmm. do chores, do all these other things to afford the things that we couldn't, we couldn't get as like a family. Mm-hmm. So uh, l- a little later in life, we, we never really had like access to technology. I remember in high school, I had to go to my grandpa's house to have access to internet. And I like, mm-hmm. I graduated in like 2006, right? So there was always this disconnect between me and technology and like having access to it. So I always had this idea that I wanted to help that issue. Uh, and I kind of lost it in college as I became the first person in my entire family to go to the college. Mm. And it was hard, came out through like city college ranks, like the hard knocks way to go and then graduated from Michigan State. Um, and after that, I worked at like a big four accounting firm chasing the paycheck, right? Growing up with nothing, you're always mm-hmm. trying to chase that mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, left there, effectively just like parted ways mutually, right, mm-hmm. with this company mm-hmm. and worked for my first venture back startup, uh, delivering or it was like uh, collecting offline information for uh, small businesses and putting it online, like business card information. Mm-hmm. And that's when I knew that like I was destined to be a professional entrepreneur. Uh, when I was an early employee, I, I, the first week I was ever there, I, I structured the co- compensation for 3000 contractors across the country. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is the drug, mm-hmm. right? Like that's it. 
I've told so, so many people this will spoil you forever. And, yes, it will. Uh, yeah, it is. You you do something really cool like that that you figured out that you know nobody else has figured out, and that's that is it's a, it's like a drug. I totally agree with you. That's cool. It well, and then comparing that with being one in one hundred and forty-one thousand at yes. Ernst and Young. Right, like you're a cog in a gear and then you made this impact across the entire country of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. So that is insane. Five months later, that went out of business, right? So it was like, make your own thing. Mm -hmm. And I started uh, a company called Air5, which was a, a, a digital business card exchange. It was essentially its first version of, of what the digital business card exchange would be. Um, but I ended up pivoting that company 14 different times. Mm -hmm. And why I did that is because I was always looking what the market would pay for, right? Like I wasn't into this to be a user generated mm -hmm. business because I need to pay my bills. I need money, right? And I don't like begging investors for anything. So uh, I did try the game, but uh, I, I ended up monetizing each stage, each one of 14 stages, uh, five figures each time. That's amazing. So that was my first six figure no code company. Um, no code is companies that are, are for those of you that don't know, uh, non-technical people. Like there were a lot of companies and industries that you needed to be a coder or a developer mm -hmm. to build things like emails and websites. And there's a faction of, uh, uh, platforms that are no code and you don't need to be a developer. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you can send your own email campaigns or build your own website templates or that kind of stuff. So, uh, my second company was essentially taking the 14 pivots and selling each one to someone that was interested. Like just building in this automated workflow that would connect someone with a freelancer that would use Zapier and Typeform and WordPress and all these things that I put together. Uh, and I sold it so many times I was able to create my second six figure no code company. And that kind of dovetailed into what I've building now, which is V1 and V1 is a no code platform that is really easy that truly serves the 96% of, of no coders out there mm -hmm. that are non-technical that do not know how to navigate a CMS. So the stat is 96% of people don't know how to navigate a CMS or a content and, management. And system. I would say, tell, tell my, I mean, I, I uh, have been around this software world too long to know most of the lingo. Uh, yeah. So, so give an example of uh, who would come to V1 and what yep. are they trying to build? So uh, we've, we've kind of helped this beachhead market or the, the early customers of our platform that were more 17 to 25 year olds, college age, high school age students build app ideas uh, that, they, that they had they wanted to build businesses around. So that's kind of evolved into uh, any non-technical individual who has an idea for an app can go in and simply select a template or build from scratch or, in, or uh, input their Canva designs and build a functional app right from their Canva studio. So it's, it's anyone who's looking to build a real business around a mobile app. And so as you think about those people tell me how many of those are this is a new business model new business idea that could be delivered through an app versus i have a business that i'd like mm. to extend 
uh, into, so it's about 60 40. Okay. So 60% of our current cut before, I mean, early it was, it was more 90% were new. I don't have a business yet. Mm-hmm. Now, now 40% of our customers have existing businesses with like e-commerce stores. So they want to mm-hmm. take a, like a, we have a new integration with Webflow. So you can take your Webflow CMS items or e-commerce uh, uh, products and then put a paywall on them. <coughs> Shit. Put a paywall on them and then uh, start selling things. And the one, one of the one benefits that I give to those small businesses is people are, are 10 times more likely to open a push notification than they are an email. Mm-hmm. So it's, again, a form of marketing that you can control and you can own. And it costs nearly nothing to do. Mm-hmm. So you chart, you pay MailChimp 150 bucks a month for, you know, some automation and some things like that. But like we have a built in right to our platform for a lot of these small businesses. So 40% are existing businesses. 60% are still that, uh, that original beachhead market that we were going after. So I'm coming to you. I'm thinking about building a, an app how what's your what's your point of view on native mobile apps versus just web yeah uh, mobile browser i think i think my my phone is littered with apps so i really need more apps so what what is your favorite app linkedin link so linkedin when you when you're on your phone do you go to LinkedIn web or do you go to the LinkedIn app? I use the app. Right. It's my favorite. So, but right. I probably, so like, I would say, you know, second most, uh, other than text probably like is Safari. It's probably okay. the one that I use second most. I probably so have like that. 200 Safari tabs open on my phone right now. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the point that I like, uh, when I get from people that, Oh, people are getting app exhaustion and it's like, they're not getting app exhaustion. They're getting business exhaustion, meaning they're not interested in your, in, in, in your company. Mm-hmm. So like if I'm interested in LinkedIn, I'm downloading the LinkedIn app. If I'm interested in coach Steve, I'm downloading coach Steve's app to get his native content. And I want that experience. So it is, but the bars where, is bars higher though. Right. Coach Steve yeah. has to be a lot more compelling yes. now to end up on my, the real estate on my phone versus, Hey, coach Steve, can you just distribute your content on YouTube or, uh, well, right. Can, but I, that, can I just you have don't a bookmark? Have... Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's an interesting evolving ecosystem. It is. So like you can, I never sell it that you're going to get new customers from having an app. Mm-hmm. You're going to get more from your current customers. Okay. Right. So like you're going to retain them. So there's another stat, uh, people that have a mobile app, three, three X revenue, right? Because again, it's the engagement. It's the, here's the deal. I'm going to open your push notification. I'm going to go for rewards. There's a lot of things that no one goes to the mobile web for, Mm -hmm. but like the future is mobile until Mm -hmm. a phone is in your contact lens, Mm -hmm. right? It's, it's, it's a, it's a huge draw to have those things that, a lot of other people wouldn't had access before, which is like building their own mobile app and building it quickly. So what's the, what's the path for these folks? Are most of them staying on your V1 that they built with you permanently? Or well, are, you I, the, are you the 
the the v1 as we we talked about when we met with the goal yeah. that this helps them validate something that then they might ultimately build somewhere else so for me it was simply building the product that i wish existed in the world uh -huh. which was a product that followed my entire journey which was i didn't have a non-technical person so i have to build i have to start somewhere right so i build in our platform and then you have to release fast so you release something fast and then you get feedback on it and you can re you can iterate on that feedback and you can build into the builder you can push a new version and then at some point it gets so good that you want to leave or get off or take off and you you have a you have two paths at that point one is you can stay on our platform and continue to iterate and build or for a little added fee you can export your source code and build with your tech team mm -hmm. so simply put you you have the optionality to stay on our platform and you get some of the, the some of the some of the key um, uh, effects of that would be like custom analytics and a custom admin portal and a lot of these other things that you would have to build mm -hmm. so it kind of it, it, it works to help and support and you got to host them yourself and do mm -hmm. these other things yourself so there's a lot of heavy lifting that's outside the app that we mm -hmm. take care of for you um, but at the same time i want people to not delete this version and go build it elsewhere because they're going to do that anyway mm -hmm. they're going to be like, cool this v1 was great uh now i'm just going to piece yeah we want you to download export your source code and work with your newly found technical co-founder or the guy that you've paid mm -hmm. to do it so those are the knowing also 90 percent of businesses fail mm -hmm. so Let's if start. we become the easiest one they can launch at and start mm -hmm. and start to build and monetize improve concept they'll come back Makes sense. So here's here's the big question of the day. Okay. Have you figured out how to help people not have to pay the Apple and Google payment tax? So yes. <laughs> oh, you heard it here. So this All this right. is what this is what's great is one. I think Apple just came out with. Uh, they some did of come out with the reduced. Yeah, they came for yeah. if you ever, but only if you're small. Which is most. Yeah, you have to be under a million yes. in revenue or something, mm -hmm. which is most people. Yes. Right? Like, especially most people that are building on our platform. Mm -hmm. um, that is, we have found a way to get around that. Mm -hmm. I'm, I can't tell what, okay. I can't tell it. I can't so tell it on here. Yeah, go reach out to Jeremy if you're working on an idea. <laughs> Everyone said that so often, and I backed into it early on with one of my mm -hmm. companies, um, where I was like, cool, we could just do this. And they don't care mm -hmm. so we have a, we had a little hack in our builder okay. that we help people with doing that it's not actually an in-app purchase mm -hmm. by apple's definition so it skips over that piece it's not you're buying it with apple it's mm -hmm. you have to put in your credit card information but it's still yes what what a user would consider in-app purchase okay we'll help you get around do you, we'll help you get around it do you counsel me on whether I should even build what no, I'm dreaming about. No, I'm not going to be the judge and jury okay. of your idea. All right. okay. The market will be the judge and jury in your idea. How about I try to make it as could affordable as possible. Mm -hmm. Could I pay people in, in the V1 community to tell me, because my time still matters, right? Yeah. Well, I want your time should matter, and that's why you should launch on V1, because you could be fastest to market. Sure. You could figure out your idea is garbage 
with market validation or invalidation mm -hmm. faster than any other platform. So don't yeah. spend a bunch of time learning mm -hmm. the learning curves of the bubbles and the other competitors out there. Launch something now and get market feedback, not right. me, not Carrie. Like get the market feed. Will they buy it or they, will they not use it? Will it use your, check your analytics and go, cool. That was worth eight bucks a month because mm -hmm. that's all we charge. So our, my friend, your friend, uh, Chris Swain is now teaching yeah. a class at USC, no code for startup entrepreneurs. I thought yeah. it was awesome. I think that's the coolest thing. What, <laughs> what did you think about that? So I love Chris. Uh, turns out that like he took family vacations to Michigan where I'm from mm. um, and we hit it off and uh, we structured uh, or we got each other's point of views on how we how we could better structure like some no code uh, mm -hmm. content mm -hmm. and we uh, the kids in that class where they're prototyping and learning and doing a lot of things he Chris is innovative mm -hmm. and it's really great and he's very receptive to no code founders coming in and teaching and instructing where uh, we'll, we'll be working with his class. I'm sure going forward so uh, about more being schools, the fastest to market. Yeah. Should more schools be teaching no code classes? Yes. And Chris has been so freaking innovative with doing it. He's kind of showing me that he was showing me the ropes on how to do it at other, at other universities. I probably owe him some bips. Probably. I agree. <laughs> what department should that be in? It probably shouldn't be in computer science because no. that, that's going to turn away the no coders anyway. So what, yes. what department should it be in? So we found a little hack and it is something that you have shown me, which is if you go to the professors, number one, um, you can skip all the admin crap, right? Like you don't have to sell into the universities. You just have to sell into the professors, hmm. right? Like get the professors to experiment with your tool mm -hmm. and then what, get exposure. What department though? Where, where are you finding that? Is this the marketing professors? Is this the economic yeah, professor? I, I think it's yeah. department agnostic, mm -hmm. right? Where everyone, I mean, weirdly enough at another university that we're working with, it is the compute. There is a prototyping computer science class. That's not just for, computer science majors. Mm -hmm. so, so it's an outlier that I didn't expect. So we went to another college and did the same thing. Hmm. Um, so it, it, while it's really easy to say like, oh, business majors or marketing majors, it's a lot of the clubs that you're working with, like at these colleges and universities. And then open, like I've always found, here's a little hack. I always found like professors with like uh, innovation mm -hmm. classes, right? So like those tend to bring in the most, um, ideas on on vanguard there sure you gotta have something new to talk about right that's what yeah right okay how's the business doing terrific uh we got in we were in the launch accelerator which you know mm -hmm. um and then since we got out there we doubled revenue now we more than doubled revenue so we're tracking close to maybe this one being your first seven figure no coder we are it will be this will be the first seven figure no the only person in the entire world. Can you believe that? And you know me when I was nothing. Mm. And you took me under your wing and you got me here. I, I did very little, Jeremy. This was all you. I, I'm so All you did was plant the seeds, my you. man. You planted seeds. That's part of my job. Part of my job. And you do it well.
what what have you learned about yourself so far that is new from your prior startups i knew i could be a great entrepreneur um what was the unknown is that i didn't know if i could be a great ceo and that's the the jury's still out right but like we'll we'll call it a manager right like mm -hmm. my first company had like five or six contractors and and a lot of times when like no one wants to be the ceo i really believe everyone likes how it looks or there's a title but if you really take the role seriously you will be prematurely gray mm -hmm. all over the place it's just like you 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 are absorbing every issue every problem you have to manage yourself you have to manage down you have to manage up to some investors externally to advisors and you're constantly taking it from all sides right like customers employees new recruiting investors advisors everyone has an opinion and you're kind of like the arbiter of all of it and you're kind of like how are you i mean how are you you evolving on that to just make sure you stay healthy happy ooh healthy steady I don't know. Like the one thing that makes me really, really, really happy. This is, this is the problem. This is the problem, Carrie. Um, that I don't know if I'm on a healthy uh, uh, trajectory hmm. because I love work too much. Mm -hmm. Right. So like it's stressful and it's horrible, but, and I, I actually have a entrepreneur article that's entrepreneurship is a disease. Hmm. <laughs> it's so like for an, me, it's definitely an affliction. I totally agree with that. It, I mean, the, my high in life where I'm actually happy is like one of two things. I check off things off my task list that I, I've done that I've like maybe have been waiting and Stripe notifications on my Apple watch. Hmm. So nothing else, may, my wife, I love my wife and my dog, but like outside of those, two, if it were just talking about what you're doing all the time and like at work, uh, those two things, I don't have any hobbies. Like it's, it's like 85% of my time is mm -hmm. my company and 15% of my time is like my wife and my dog so that I absolutely I, love. Yeah, I would recommend, uh, and I've experienced with some of that as well, where I've had those, those seasons of life like that, Yeah, is to, to every once in a while change seasons. So maybe uh, adopt health as a, as a hobby for like in what, what would you say to so try be, to do i mean and it could be it could start with something like diet right where you go mm -hmm. hey let me let me just take it like for a season let me just you know you're an entrepreneur you're an experimenter mm. so apply the entrepreneurial energy to other areas of your life and what i've done I, at times i've experimented like okay mm. um, i'm gonna try this or i'm gonna stop doing this and see how i feel and okay. Uh, I, you know, or I'm going to take, uh, you know, these meetings as walking meetings, or okay. I'm going to yeah. get up a little earlier and go for a run or find something, or I, I used to play this sport. So I'm going to see if I can find somebody to go play this sport with, um, and <laughs> okay. use it as a time to, uh, you know, to get a little exercise and maybe, maybe it's somebody who can give me some advice and be a, appear as well because it's lonely and it is i think we we often will try to bear it all because um, we we have that ownership of it and we have to go find we we're meant to be around other people i you know I, I was running a company 
years and years ago and I just started a support group, a breakfast club that I started and it's still going. Now I, I realized oh, I wasn't hey. alone. I wasn't yeah, alone, right. feeling alone and needing to connect with others. And so now it still goes to this day because there are other people that need that outlet and I'm happy to just be the, the catalyst of bringing people together. So it, you know, I think I you do a great I, job of that, by the way. Um, so I, I just, I would challenge you to don't, don't go radical about it, but just yeah. like, introduce new experiments into other areas it, because it, you, you know, I'm, I'm not a full believer in this idea of, of balance. My partner calls it work-life integration, which I think is a better way <laughs> to think about it. Sure. That we have to, we, you know, we have to find ways to integrate all these things together. That would be yeah, my, I agree. my suggestion is, you know, try some new life experiments uh, around. I health. love connecting with people. Like I love person, I love relationships, but the ones, the only ones that stick around are the only ones that I think are like, truly 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 valuable dude every time i go on a hike or i go golfing or i do i try to do these things the only things that come out of my mouth is something business strategic mm-hmm. is like something you can't you don't want to be in here mm-hmm. right like i'm i'm it's hard to sleep it's hard like and you're thinking like oh my god like a, i just need to pop an ambient I just need to, I mean, where's the NyQuil, right? Like I, I need to like quiet my head. I need to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking like talking to the engineers until two in, two in the morning. Like I'm waking up at six for this meeting on the East Coast. And like, if that stuff drives you sure. and you're like, I love this because yeah, it's, it's when great. I get to that's talk about business. That's what it's supposed to, yeah, that's you know? way, it's, yeah. It's, it's great that you're there. Um, sure. But it may, you got to remember, it may not, this one, will be here for now. It may not be with you forever. And yeah, you know, sure. You know, you never know where, what, so be, be prepared for other elements of life to be enjoyable. I'm not, I'm not suggesting go find a hobby. It, I, I don't, <laughs> I, I love golf. I've tried. I barely, I've tried. Pl- I barely play golf these days because I'm so, having so much fun doing this that I, I, yeah, yeah. I choose to exchange that time. Um, so I get it, yeah, I see I get that. It. but you know, it's season, seasons of life, but I would, I would encourage you to experiment a little bit. So, okay. I'm, I'm running up against time now. I want to know what other advice. So people are out there. We are seeing a spike in entrepreneurs, we are. which is awesome. I hope that more of these are big idea entrepreneurs than just entrepreneurship by necessity of all the people that have experienced job loss that will remains to be seen. I I've got a great idea. I want to go potentially start something other than going to V1. Let's, you know, let's, maybe it's not an app, but just I'm, I'm ready to go be an entrepreneur. What, What would you advise people that are thinking about it to do to really determine whether that's a good idea for them or not? So I would start flat. I would start talking to people about it. Mm -hmm. Number one, right. Just like, and see where every conversation you talk to everyone and see where all those go. And then I would write notes on those conversations. Mm -hmm. So, and then I would start making, uh, well, this is just me, but I would like make like a makeshift word cloud and see what came out of it. Mm -hmm. Right. So for me, it's all about a lot of people keep their ideas to themselves because they they're worried about idea theft. Okay. No one's, 
No one is stealing ideas, number one, right? Like little things here and there. Like it's not a, a big problem like people actually make it out to be or Hollywood makes it out to be. Um, so talk to people about the idea, right? Like flesh it out. See if see will people who help you make lists um, and then write down the feedback and see if it's something you actually want to pursue. Hmm. That's what I would say. Like if, if, if it's not V1 at yourv1.com, um, build your app really easy. If it's not your V1, if it's not, uh, talk to people about your idea, get some feedback on it as early as possible. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, you don't want to clouding up that brain. So it's just about doing things. I like it. I like it. Jeremy, thank you for joining me on the Operate. Carrie, Pod. no, thank you for joining me on Not Boring Business. I'm happy to. Hopefully, I wasn't boring. No, man. This was terrific. This, this is super fun. This was therapeutic for me. Good. So I'm, I'm glad to have you. I, I know my audience will take a lot away. I mean, I, we've never talked about no code. So that in and of itself will be a great insight for them. And uh, I appreciate you for that. And I wish you I, all I, the best I, with V1. And, and we will celebrate when you hit that seven figure run rate for sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm in. I'm into this. All Thank right. you so much, Carrie. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Operate Podcast. If you like this conversation, as a favor to me, you can rate us, review us, or subscribe, or tell your friends. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at Operate Podcast. Until next week, get out there and operate.